So there I was, in the back of a chicken bus, headed to Lake Atitlan in Guatemala. Um, I can see the crystal clear water up ahead and the three signature volcanoes steeping out up into, the, up into the sunshine and the clouds. We're going down these little switchback roads, and up in front of us I see a semi-truck that has tried to take this corner a little too quickly, and all of its cargo has spilled out on the road everywhere. And after a few minutes of sitting in the back of the bus, I get out and I join everybody else at the scene. Everybody had gotten out of their cars and was just helping take these big bags of concrete and putting them back onto the semi-truck. You know, there's nobody coming. There's no ODOT. Like, there's no police coming to assist in this situation. We just have to, like, get through it on our own. And to me, this just encapsulates the spirit of Guatemala. Like, everybody is just down to help everybody else all the time. It's fantastic. The reason I'm going to the lake is because it's like my last month in Guatemala. My visa is about to expire and I have to head back to Portland. Um, and I'm a little bit worried about this because the last time I moved from Guatemala to Portland, it really didn't go so well. I mean, you can imagine like coming from this warm, helpful, amazing, sunny country to sort of rainy, dreary Portland. <laughs> uh, it, it just didn't go so well. I got a little depressed, I started drinking too much, it just wasn't a good situation. So I'm, I'm taking some time and I'm sort of thinking about how I'm going to make this transition nice and smooth and easy and sort of preparing myself. Um, after about a week of staying at this fantastic hostel in San Marcos, uh, I get a Facebook message from my friend Stacia, who I haven't heard from in years. We used to be lifeguards together at the PCC pool, like when I went to college here years ago. And uh, she's asking me if I'm still lifeguard certified and if I would like a job at a summer camp in the Catskills. And I think, hells yes, I want a job at a summer camp in the Catskills. Sounds amazing. So uh, I send her back, absolutely, I go to their website, I fill out the application, and like the next day I'm on the phone with Simon Greenwood, the camp director, and he's telling me that he needs a lakefront director, because the guy he hired is like bailed on him from Hawaii, he's no longer coming. And I'm just super excited, I tell him that, hey look, Simon, I've never had a job with director in the title, um, <laughs> but I would be more than happy to like step up to this challenge, and I'm, I'm just super excited. So I fly back uh, to New York, I get out of the airport, I get to like the Port Authority bus station downtown at Times Square, it's just like three streets up, I see all the lights, and I get on this little dinky like ex-Greyhound, now even lower bus, going to Liberty, New York, like 100 miles north of, uh, of New York City, and there's already two other counselors on this bus going to, to this camp, I'm so excited, there's uh, this girl who's from like St. Paul, Minnesota, or Minneapolis? No, I forget. Um, it's not important. And then there's this ridiculously beautiful girl from Mexico, from Puebla. And so now I'm going to speak Spanish all summer with her. It's just going to be the best. Um, I get to the camp. It's called Camp Shane. Um, it's, uh, which means beautiful in Hebrew. It's like owned by this old Jewish couple. So it's, it's like a Jewish fat camp uh, situation, basically. And uh, it's a boss camp, you know. Um, and we get there and there's just beautiful trees and fields and amenities and all these rustic old like white cabins that we're going to sleep in. And the more I try to like talk, or the more I talk with all the other counselors, the more I realize that I have the best job at camp. Because like when you're at camp, you have to be with kids six days a week, you only get one day off. And because you're in the middle of nowhere, you can't go anywhere on your like one day off anyway. So you're just stuck at camp the whole summer, which can be a little claustrophobic. Um, but I, because the camp, it, or the lake, isn't at camp, I get to go drive away every single day. I get like a company car, I get this awesome coworker from Canada. <whistles> Fantastic. Um, I also get the best equipment. Like if you're a basketball coach at a Jewish fat camp, you get some old Spaldings and that's your lot. If you're the lakefront director, you get some jet skis, you get all the wakeboards, you get 
like just all kind of the banana boat and the like the jewel of the collection was this brand new like sixty thousand dollar ski nautique jet powerboat thing and I'm <laughs> excited about that but but more about that later um, and I get to, to I, I hear that I'm going to be with the oldest boys group like that's who I'm going to be counseling the whole summer which suits me just perfectly and I get the two coolest like co counselors that I talked with like in pre camp that I like the best ones I could ever work with. I get this crazy southerner who walks around barefoot all the time and goes, roll tide! <laughs> Anytime he like approves of anything. And I get this like ex-marine, like super buff, like army guy. This is just like such a huge diverse group of people. I'm just super excited, I got the best job, the best co-counselors, everything's fantastic. Um, about halfway through the summer, it's the oldest girls division, like the YAs, like it's their turn to come to the lake. Um, so they're like 18 to 24, so they're pretty much my own age, and that presents a problem. Because the little kids, you can trick them into working out. You can be like, here, it's a basketball, or run, or like, let's do some dance yoga, and you know, it's fantastic. But the older people, they like, they're too cool for everything. They don't want to do anything. And more so, they're maybe a little lazy. So they get there, and they just, they think that they're going to get a day off. Like, they're just going to lay on the beach, work on, like, listen to their iPod, like, do whatever. And I have to motivate them. So I instantly jump in with my little spiel on wakeboarding. Like, let's try wakeboarding. It's only for the oldest girl, like, the oldest campers. Like, it's a little dangerous. It's like X Games. They're not interested. Um, I try to sell them on the banana boat. How can you not want to go on a banana boat? It's this huge, long, inflatable raft uh, that's yellow. Um, and you can put, like, six campers on, and then you drive really, like, aggressively, and then maybe some of them fall off. It's so much fun. Why would you not want to do that? Um, but they, they don't. They're not interested. So then one of the girls finally suggests, like, can we just go for a boat ride? Because they don't want to do anything. I'm like, fine, all right, cool. So I get five campers in the boat, and we go out, like, onto the lake. Now, the lake is like a tall, skinny lake. Like, at the top is the dam. And Simon had said, don't go to the dam. Like, that's out of bounds. So don't go there. And then it goes down, there's this big open middle area, and that's where you can, like, do all the activities. Simon said, go there. That's fine. Because, um, you know, you can't really hit anything, and it's fantastic. And then down at the very bottom, um, there's some like houses, and he said don't go there because you don't want to like disturb like, you know, the people that are having a nice summer vacation. But after maybe like five or six times of just doing like number eights and going around the middle part, I thought, let's go look at some houses. <laughs> so we head down there, and now I've got the girls' attention. Now they're excited because they get the chance to see a not fat camp boy. <laughs> So they are peeping out, they are excited, looking at every single house, maybe seeing like some, something they hadn't seen before. And then I see some geese like over in this area of the lake. So I sort of go over to the geese, thinking that maybe we can look at some nature or whatever. Uh, and the geese, are, they don't like this at all. They freak out and they try to like fly away. So would you if a boat came towards you? Um, but I think, hold on geese. I have a 400 horsepower Mustang V8 powerboat. You're not getting away. And so I put the hammer down just a little bit. The boat rises majestically out of the water and we shoot forwards after the geese. And now there's this beautiful scenario where there's geese in the air all around us trying to get like, away from us. And I see this one kind of fat goose that's kind of having a hard time. And I look at that goose and I think, I'm gonna high five that goose. <laughs> So I lean out of the boat and I reach my hand up and I try to catch its little foot to encourage it to fly away and be free. And it flies away and is free and whatnot. And as I direct my attention back to the lake, back to driving, I realize, fuck! There's no more lake! <laughs> fuck! I'm looking straight ahead and all I see is beach, sand, trees. <laughs> Shit. So I get off the gas a little bit and I turn around 
And as soon as I get off the gas, the boat sinks a little bit back into the water and gets stuck. And I look over the side of the boat, and there's like six inches of water and then mud. And I realize that for maybe like the last 20 yards, we've just been driving through just thick, sticky mud. Like, it's, the boat's stuck. It's not going anywhere. And then I think, fuck! I'm the director! I'm getting paid extra so that this shit doesn't happen! And when it does happen, it's me! I have to figure it out! So now we're at the bottom of the lake where I'm not supposed to be. The boat is stuck. I'm definitely going to get fired. And I've got to like fix the situation. And it's up to me. So I jump over the side of the boat into this disgusting mud with leeches and crawdads and stuff. And I walk through, through the mud and get to the water and I just start swimming. And I just have to swim back now to one of those houses that I saw. And it's like almost a mile away now. And so I swim and I swim. And I'm so exhausted, when I finally get up to the dock, I can barely like, lift myself up onto it. And then I have to knock on the door and be like, hey, can you like, give me a ride? I'm from Camp Shane, I got the boat stuck, can you give me a ride back up the lake? Uh, the guy is super nice, gives me a ride. And I get out of the truck at our dock where the other campers and counselors are, and they look at me and go, hey, Tyler, uh, where's the boat? <laughs> and I say, oh, shit, that's all right, I got the boat stuck, I gotta, I gotta go. So I jump on one of the jet skis, I go down to the lake, or where I got the boat stuck. And now it's like a rescue operation. I get the campers one at a time onto a jet ski, power them back, get the camper, power them back. And it takes like the rest of the afternoon, not very fun. And now I have to go back to camp and I have to talk to Simon Greenwood, the actual camp director. And I have to be like, so Simon, yeah, you remember that like brand new jet ski boat thing that I got and I was supposed to take care of? Yeah, I got that stuck. And Simon goes, what? Where'd you get it stuck? And he's like, oh, well, there was a sandbar. And he goes, sandbar? There's no sandbars at the lake. Where were you? And I go, oh, yeah. Uh, you know that, you know, down there with the houses? Yeah, that's, that's, where the, that's where the boat is. And he's not very happy. And he just tells me to, like, go get the fucking boat out of the lake. And so now I'm really freaking out. I'm for sure going to get fired. Like, I'm not very happy. And so I go to, like, the activities director person, and I say, I need all male staff. Like, all of the men that are there, can I have them so that we can go to the lake? And he goes, what do you mean all the male staff? I need some of the male staff to run the activities at the lake or at the camp. And I just tell him, no, I need them all. So the next morning, um, leaving almost nobody at camp except for like the, the female counselors and, and whatnot, um, we all pile into the van and I drive down to the lake. And today it's a little cold and it's a little rainy. And now I feel bad and they're kind of a little angry because I have, they are coming with me to like solve my problem. Like they just think that I should fuck off and deal with this on my own. And, uh, you know, we get to the lake, and now they're looking at where the boat is, and they realize that they have to get in the water and go through that terrible, disgusting mud with the leeches and the quadheads. Um, and then we go through that process where the water just gets higher and higher and colder and colder until we're finally swimming and we get to the boat. And then we get there, we get, you know, we, we strategize a little bit, and we think that, you know, four people on one, each side of the boat, and then some people at the back, we give it a push, yeah, one, two, three, heave, and the boat's just not moving at all. It's stuck, like stuck, stuck. And in my head, I'm just, I'm freaking out. I'm just worried and I'm not feeling encouraged and this is just a bad situation. Like, if we don't get this out, the next logical move is to call the military to see if they can bring a helicopter <laughs> to get the boat out. Um, but then finally, Austin, ever fantastic ex-Marine problem-solving Austin thinks, hey, what if, we, uh, what if we work smart, not hard? What if we go get the jet skis? So we go get the jet skis. We tie a rope from the back of one jet ski through the tow hook on the front of the boat, 
to the other jet ski and then tie them pretty close so that they're only like a meter or two meters like away from the boat. And jet skis are different than boats. They don't use a propeller. They shove water out of the back. And so what this does with genius, smart, amazing thinking is that it creates a fake river underneath the boat and the boat lifts up. So we get the two lightest guys on the jet skis. They power down and we just see the jet skis dig into the water as they're trying to like get away. We give the boat like a good shake and a push and we hear like creak of like the, the fiberglass and it's really stuck and then suddenly just like Poof! and it floats out like further into the, like deeper water <laughs> I was so happy and so relieved and now the guys are cheering it's just a fantastic day the sun's coming out there's geese flying everywhere Poof! it's just a fantastic situation I get to like you know everyone's really I get to go sorry everyone's really happy I get to go back to camp I get to go talk to Simon and be like, hey, look, yeah, oh, da da da, no problem, don't worry about it, it's fine. Um, and to me, I just, I felt so encouraged by that day because I saw the teamwork that I'd seen in Guatemala, like, happened here in the U.S. too, and I knew that it was possible to have it here. And I was just, I was so relieved, and I knew that, I, like, the next year, coming back to Portland was going to be fine. At the, um, at the end of camp, this guy called Will, who was, like, a lyrical genius, came up with, like, songs for everybody, all the counselors at the end of the year, uh, Campfire, and he wrote one about me, and I'd like to sing it for you. Um, it's to the tune of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, because it's camp. And it goes like this. Talon, where'd you learn to drive? Please don't try to give birds high fives. You would not try that on land. Now the boat's stuck in the sand. Talon, you're so lucky that Austin's always got your back. <laughs>